Well, this morning we're picking up in our study in Galatians. We want to just continue here, um, kind of have a deadline to finish the first week of May. So we're going to pick up once again here in the sixth chapter today, verses one through six. And the title of our message today is uh, Bearing one another's burden. So let me read to you those first six verses of Galatians chapter six. Here Paul says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. So as we come to uh, the final portion of this letter, we've been studying here for quite a while through Galatians. But as we, as we wind down, and as you come just personally, as you, as you are reading through your Bibles and as you're reading through the epistles, um, what you have sometimes is at the end of the letter, you will have um, not a disconnect from everything that's been said, but you'll, you'll have a number of of sort of additional things that aren't necessarily tied back to the, the main argument or thought of, of the letter. It, it's almost like uh, sometimes the end of, of Paul's letters, especially, will have just like these little postscripts, you know? It, it's like he's pretty much said everything he wanted to say about the main topic, and then, and then it's almost like he says, oh, but um, one more thing, real quick, and then, you know, he'll say something. And, oh, yeah, but, but let me remind you of this. So sometimes it's a little bit hard to understand if the things that are being said are connected to everything that's gone before, or are these just some, they're not random thoughts, but they're just sort of these additional things that I want to just get this in there. So when we're looking at Galatians here, Although when you read the sixth chapter, it seems a little bit like it might be just a, a number of PSs on the end here. Uh, it really actually isn't. It, he's carrying over the thoughts and all the way to the very end of the letter, he's, he's just continuing to sort of state the case and you know build on what he has uh, said earlier. So all of that to say, you know, as we come to chapter six here, that what he says now, it goes back to what he was talking about earlier. Now, the thing that we need to understand about just the, the Christian life itself, the Christian faith, is that the Christian faith is a one another lifestyle. In other words, the Christian faith is not to be lived in isolation. Uh, it's, you're not to try to live out the Christian faith alone. You are part of a larger thing. You're part of uh, uh, the, the body of Christ. And our faith is to be lived out and worked out 
in that context and with that understanding. So you as a Christian, me as a Christian, I'm connected to other people. We're connected to each other. And we as a congregation, we're connected to other congregations. And all the congregations around the world are, are basically one body, the people of God. And if we see things like that, it's going to be better for everybody. It's going to be better for ourselves. It's going to be better for the larger church. It's going to be better for the world. And so let's, let's keep that in mind. And what Paul is going to remind us of here is the fact that we need each other because we all have burdens and we need help carrying those burdens. You know, the world sort of teaches you uh, in some senses and uh, you know, in, in some cultural context to, you know, you just, you go it alone. You know, you never tell anybody about your problems. You just, you just bear up and don't let anybody know that you're struggling and you just get a stiff upper lip sort of a thing. And, you know, you just press through and that's not the biblical picture. The biblical picture is that we are connected to one another and we are to help each other with our burdens. So there's three particular burdens that Paul addresses here in these verses. First of all, there's the burden of sin. Secondly, there's the burdens of life. And then thirdly, there's the burden of ministry. So we want to talk about each one of those, beginning, first of all, with the burden of sin. Now, the fact of the matter is, the reality is Christian sin. And sometimes Christians get overtaken by sin. And that's what Paul is referring to here. Notice what he said. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass. So think about that in your mind. To be overtaken, it's almost like um, to be sort of chased down, uh, tackled, and, and bound up. That, that's kind of the picture here. So somebody has been sort of ensnared in sin, trapped in sin. Um, if that's the case, or, or when that is the case in, in certain people's lives, then Paul says that those who are spiritual are to seek to restore them. Now, let's talk for a second about what, what he means when he says, you who are spiritual. Um, some have said, well, you know, he's talking about people who are kind of like on a, on a different level of spirituality. They're the more, more spiritual ones. Uh, that's probably not what he's referring to. Um, some have said that he's, he's talking about the, the ones that he described in the fifth chapter, those who walk in the spirit, those who live in the spirit, those who follow in the, in the steps of the spirit. I think that's true. But I also think that Paul is being a little bit sarcastic here. Because remember the context. The context is that uh, these Galatian Christians have been influenced by false teachers. And part of the influence of the false teaching was that a certain number among them actually thought they were more spiritual than everybody else because they had kept the law of Moses. And in their pride, this put them in a place where they were judging their brothers. They were um, backbiting and they were uh, competing and envying and, and all of that kind of stuff was going on. So they thought they were the most spiritual, but in the truth of the matter was they, they really weren't at all. So it's almost like what Paul is saying. Now you who are spiritual, 
It's like Paul is saying, let me tell you what real spirituality is versus what you're thinking. Um, your, their version of spirituality was, was arrogance and looking down on everybody else and being harsh and critical and condemning. Paul says, this is what real spirituality is. Those who are spiritual, they are to restore such a person in the spirit of gentleness. So he's kind of just laying out what, uh, what it is to really be spiritual. But also notice this, um, restore such a one. This is, this is what we have to know. God is always for the restoration of people who are in sin. Always for the restoration. God is always looking to bring people back into uh, the place where they ought to be. He's never looking to, to ultimately push them away. So he's always seeking restoration. And we need to realize that too. Because sometimes we can be uh, you know, just fed up with a certain person. We can be fed up with their behavior. Uh, and, and we can just sort of write them off. And we can almost just think, you know, just get rid of them, Lord. Have you ever noticed how God never really does that? You know, <laughs> he, he just keeps uh, being patient with people. Um, that's because his, his desire is restoration. Now, different situations call for different approaches. There's places in scripture where we're told to rebuke people who are in sin. We're told to warn people who are in sin. There's some cases where we're even told to remove them from the fellowship. But in every one of those, still the ultimate end game is to see them restored, to bring them back. So we have to understand that. That's God's heart. It's always to restore. It's always to bring people back. And if we understand that, we will also understand why it is that God is so patient with people. And it'll help us to realize that we need to be patient with people as well. But he says to restore them in a spirit of gentleness, you know, I've been a Christian for quite a while. I've lived through a lot of cycles and seasons uh, in my own Christian life. And um, I, I have been there at times in my own life. And I've been around people that have been like this, where um, you know, I've been through seasons where people around me, or maybe even my, I myself to a certain extent, you kind of get this rebuke mentality. I've even heard people say, you know, God's given me a ministry of rebuke. And, you know, they, they go around basically just being mean <laughs> to people in the name of Jesus, you know. And um, that's not the Lord. <laughs> that, that's not the way it works. He says here that we are to restore people in a spirit of gentleness, a spirit of meekness, a, a spirit of humility. And one of the things that I've learned over the, the long years of pastoral ministry is people rarely respond positively to harshness. You know, when you come down on somebody, when you come down with a real harsh word, a real, you know, condemning thing and pointing your finger, you know, it just, it seems most of the time to push people further away. And I have seen so many times, because I've, I've done that, uh, but the longer I've lived and the longer I've been in ministry and seen how patient God is with people, I've learned to be more patient and I've seen how much more responsive people are to gentleness, to a meek and a humble approach. There's something about that that 
it has a way of sort of just breaking through those hardened hearts. And so that's the way we are to go about it. If you see a brother or a sister overtaken in a fault, ensnared in some sort of sin, you go with the motivation of restoration and you go in an attitude of gentleness in an attitude of humility. Martin Luther put it this way. He said, um, he said, run to him and reaching out your hand, raise him up again, comfort him with sweet words and embrace him with motherly arms. That's a beautiful picture. Comfort them with sweet words. Encourage them in the love of God. You know, I was talking to a couple after the previous service, and we've been friends for many years. And um, one of their children had just a, a, you know, a season of being just so far out there. And uh, we had many talks and many tears and many prayers uh, for this particular child. And, um, you know, I I would see her and... You know, she would be saying, oh, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. And oh, yes, Lord, I love you. And I'm going to follow you. And, you know, the next week she'd be on a drug binge, you know, for, for, you know, two or three weeks at a time. And we were talking about how well she's doing today. But I I said to them, I said, you know, this is a good example because every time I, I had to encounter her, deal with her, talk with her, whatever, I always felt like the Lord, even though my own personal, um, you know, parental perspective on it at times was, I wish she was my child so I could just spank her, you know, real hard. Um, but the Lord always had me just, oh, just love her. You know, just, just give her a hug. Just tell her you're praying for her. And, you know, it's paid off. God, God has worked. And it's not, not just me doing that, but others around her have done that too. And, and as I said, um, having lived long enough now, I have seen people that, at another season in my life, I would have completely written them off. I would have just said, no, that's it. They've gone too far. It's over. There's no way. And I would think, man, Lord, you just need to bring the hammer down on them. But I'm, I'm just much slower to do that these days because I have seen how patient God is. But listen to what Paul says here as well. He says, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You see, it's going to be really helpful for us um, if we realize that, you know what, we're vulnerable as well. You know, uh, but for the grace of God, there go I. I could be in the same kind of situation. But a lot of times what happens is we're, we're harsh with people, we're condemning, we're critical because we're, we're sort of prideful and we, we think we're above that. We look at them, we think, oh, how could you do that? That's so disgusting. I can't believe that you did that. Well, you know what? If I think that way, I better watch out. Because Paul said it to the Corinthians. He said, if any man thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he fall. The minute you start thinking, I'm above that. I'd never do that. This person's just such a loser. I, I would never go to those kinds of depths. You know what? Be careful. Because you might be just around the corner from a stumble. And so we've always got to keep that in mind. We're all sinners. And under the right circumstances, uh, you know, we can find ourselves in things we never would have imagined that we could be in. Because that's, that's who we are. We're sinners. So when we 
approach a person who is, uh, as he says here, who is overtaken in a trespass, who is ensnared in a sin, we must do so in a spirit of gentleness and keeping in mind that we have those vulnerabilities as well. Now, you know, as I've sort of hinted at here, I, I haven't, I, I've learned this over many, many years. Uh, when I was young, um, as is often the case with youth, you think you know everything. In reality, you don't know much of anything, but nobody can tell you that at that time. And, um, you know, back in those early days for me, I just thought that, you know, this is the way you, you deal with, with sin. You just deal with it really, um, you know, really hard. And I, I had many people over the years that I, I was so harsh toward them. And, you know, looking back, I thank God that his grace kind of covered those situations. Some of you remember uh, Pastor Romaine. Pastor Romaine was Pastor Chuck's assistant for many years. And he was here as a kind of a fixture, just like Pastor Chuck was for all those years. And Romaine was a uh, former drill instructor in the United States Marine Corps. But not only was he that, that was sort of his DNA. He was born to be a drill instructor. So, you know, he was, I'm sure, just like that when he was a baby, even. I mean, he was, and he was the guy who was just, you know, no nonsense, black and white, cut and dry. Uh, and, and, you know, you come in for counseling with Romaine, and he would just literally slice you, dice you, and then throw you out. And you're like, wow, what happened? You know, he never did that to me, thankfully. But I saw him do that to many, many people over the years. And actually, as a young pastor, I thought, I like that. You know, that's like, I, I, I think the Romaine method is good. You don't have to put up with all this long, drawn-out stories and people telling you, uh, you know, about how they've been wronged. You just kind of cut to the chase with them. And um, I thought that was good. Uh, I, I was talking about this previous service that a guy came up and told me about three Romaine stories. I said, oh, yes, I remember. I said, uh, I said but let me tell you the best Romaine story I've ever heard. And I, I witnessed this. So uh, there was a guy that came in the office. He wanted, he wanted to talk about his marriage. He wanted to talk about his wife. He wanted to complain about his wife. Now, Romaine had a very, very tender heart toward the wives, and it was very brutal to husbands, always. Um, but, but this guy comes in and, you know, finds Romaine in the office and, you know, starts to talk about his wife. And, you know, poor me and my wife, so, you know, she didn't treat me white and all this. And Romaine just is listening, which is kind of unusual because he usually would cut you off really quick and just kick you out. But he kept listening. He said to the guy, he said, come on, come with me. Just keep talking. Yeah, tell, tell, me, tell me more. And so they're walking along and the guy's, uh, you know, going on and on about how, you know, poor me and my wife, so this and that. And, and he, didn't, he has no idea. He's just walking with Romaine. And uh, they end up, Romaine unlocks the door. They walk in the room. They happen to go, go into the nursery. Romaine goes over. He opens a drawer. He pulls out a diaper. And he just hands it to the guy. And any of the guy's telling the story, and he's looking around like, oh, what are you handing me this for? And Romaine says, put this on. You're a baby. Now get out of here. You know. Now, you got to admit, that's, you know, that's going to be pretty effective stuff. So. <laughs> so when I was young, I saw some of those things, and I thought, I'm going to try that too. That, I like that. <laughs> and I'll never forget <laughs> my first attempt at it. 
I sat there behind my desk. I had an office over there at the time. And this guy sat across the desk from me. And I, back in those days, I weighed about 150 pounds. And this guy weighed about 250 pounds. And he was a burly biker guy. And he sat there, you know, telling me all of his woes. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to do the Romaine thing on him. You know, you loser, you big baby, you know, just shut up. Get it right and get out of here. But I thought, this guy's going to actually kill me if I take that approach. But I did it anyway. I just thought I would try it. And uh, by God's grace, he didn't kill me. But, uh, you know, I learned really quickly that it worked well for Romaine, but it probably wasn't the best method for me to employ. And so, you know, you, you learn over the years. And I'm sharing this with you, so, you know, maybe you won't make those same mistakes. You learn over the years that... Um, and God is gracious. He's patient. And he wants to restore people. And he says, when we see people overtaken in a trespass, to be gentle, to be humble. And remember that we have those same vulnerabilities. So the burden of sin. Now, he, Paul goes on to say, um, bear one another's burdens so, and, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So this is part of bearing the burdens of others is helping them out of the sin that they at times get entrapped in. Secondly, um, the burdens of life. Life just comes with burdens, doesn't it? There's all kinds of burdens in life. We have burdens uh, related to family. And that involves so many different things, struggles with in, in, a, in a marriage, struggles with uh, raising children. Um, we have burdens that are related to health. We have burdens sometimes due to financial struggles and difficulties. And, and of course, they're just, you know, kind of an endless list of burdens that people can find themselves under. So we are to bear one another's burdens. And like I said initially, I can't really do that if I have no connection with anybody. This is why it's so important that we get close to each other, that we get to um, know each other. Uh, this is one of the reasons why we have uh, reintroduced the, just the whole idea of the community group or the, the home group, you know, so that we can cultivate those kinds of relationships and be able to bear one another's burdens and, and do that easily because we're closely connected with others and we know what is happening with them. Now, there's two areas in which we can bear the burdens of others or two ways. And the first would be to pray for people. To, to pray for people. You know, this week we had a, a phone call and a guy was asking us a question. And then at the end he said, you know, I, would you just pray for my friend? He said, my friend's 38 years old. He's being diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. He's got two children. And, you know, you could just tell his heart was just so broken for his friend. And I was talking to a friend this morning who heard that broadcast and said, you know, ever since I heard that, I've just been praying for that guy. You know, that's, that's bearing the burden in prayer. And, and we can do that. And of course, um, 
we, we should do that for everybody who's under a burden. But, you know, it especially is applicable when, when we don't have any kind of access to the people. The, this morning, as John was leading us in prayer for the, the families in Egypt that have suffered this horrific terrorist attack today, you know, in a, in a small way, we are, we are bearing the burden with them as we pray for them. And so let's never forget that prayer is a way that we can bear the burdens of other people. But then, of course, there is the practical bearing of burdens for those that we are in proximity to. We, you know, people that we're close to. And in bearing the burdens of others, this is just, you know, practically helping, coming alongside now think about this. When you bear somebody else's burden, the idea is that you, you're actually going to take some of that burden on yourself. You know, when you see somebody carrying uh, some sort of a heavy load and you come along, what are you doing? You're, you're taking part of that load onto, onto yourself. So if somebody's carrying, you know, trying to struggle down the road with a 100-pound bag or box or something, you come along and lift the other end. Well, you're taking 50 pounds of that right off there, but you're putting it on yourself. And the point there is this, that bearing the burdens of others has a sacrificial element to it. And so Paul says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You see, because of the love of Jesus, he bore sacrificially he bore our sins. He bore our griefs and our sorrows and those things. So when we think of bearing the burdens of others, we have to recognize that there's a sacrificial element to this. I, and if I'm going to take the burden off somebody else, I'm, I'm actually going to put it partially on myself. But that's what we're called to do. But that's the very thing that oftentimes we don't want to do. And let's be honest, sometimes we don't want to get close to people because we don't want to know about their burdens, because we don't want to help out. And sometimes it's just because we're flat out selfish, and other times it's because we just feel like, you know, I got enough of my own problems. But listen, it's a mutual thing. It's a mutual exchange. Yes, you're going to step up and bear somebody else's burden. You're going to take on some of that weight. You're going to make a sacrifice. But you know what? Somebody else is going to come along and do the same thing for you. And so this is the, the way that life in the body of Christ is to work. So we have to fight against the, the culture, even the the culture of the church that we live in these days, where you can be uh, still very uh, independent of any kind of responsibility toward anybody else. You can be very individualistic. You can come to church, do your thing, get your blessing or whatever, and then just that's it. And you go off, you know, back into your own world. And many times you're back in your own world trying to bear the burdens and all. That's not the way it works. We, we need to share with one another and sharing the load with one another is part of what we do. And in doing this, we fulfill the law of Christ. And so sometimes we see somebody who has a, a legitimate financial burden. And I say legitimate because oftentimes 
uh, it's not really legitimate. But let, let's just say, no, this is a real situation. This is a family who have fallen on hard times. And, you know, it's not out of laziness or uh, neglect or anything. It's just, you know, they're just, it's a rough, rough season. And they need help. And, and I have the means to help. But if I help them, it's going to sort of deprive me of certain things. That's, that's sacrificial burden bearing. That's what it looks like. Or, you know, this person needs time. They need somebody to just be with them and, and, and give attention to them. And it's like, oh, I know they need that, but I've, I've got plans over here to do this other thing. Well, if you're going to bear one another's burdens, like Jesus or Paul is saying here, then, you know, you're going to sacrifice that time to go and do that for that person. And so these are the kinds of things that Paul is talking to us about here. But there's a third area of of burden that he mentions here, and it's in verse six. And, And this is what I was saying at the beginning. These are not disconnected thoughts. These are not postscripts. He's following along here. Now, verse six doesn't seem like it, but it is. Look at what he says. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Let him who is taught the word bear the burden of those who teach. That's what he's saying. So you see, it's tied back to the whole idea of helping one another with the burden here. Now, just really quickly, what Paul is saying here is that those who are taught God's word are to help alleviate the burden from those who teach God's word. Now, Paul said a similar thing to uh, the Corinthians. He said, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should be supported by those who benefit from it. You know, there are, there are pastors in different places all around the world who are trying to do their best to shepherd a flock and at the same time, sometimes they're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. I know guys in, in positions like this or in different places around the world. Most of the time in the U.S., it's not so much the case. But I, I definitely know many people in this kind of place. Uh, their congregations are not capable necessarily of, of financially supporting them just because of the, the economy where they're at. And, and boy, these guys are under the burden of trying to do um, a good job of pastoring, but yet having to do all of these other things as well. And so this is where um, we sometimes will come in and we will help alleviate that burden. We will give support to that pastor so that they can be somewhat freed up. Well, that's what Paul is saying to do here. So there's another area, and that is sharing in the burden of ministry. So ministry can go out um, freely and be effective. And and on that note, um, just thank you for your generosity that you give regularly, because that's how ministry takes place. That's how we are freed. And and some of those that I've just referred to, that's how we get freed up to do what God has called us to do. Now, you notice I skipped over verses three through five, and that was intentional because I want to bring everything to a conclusion with these verses. And this is where it gets a little bit fuzzy. 
this is where it's like, okay, wait, how does this fit with everything that's being said? But let me read to you verses three through five again. So Paul just says, you know, bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. But then he says this, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. So what does that have to do with the burden bearing that he's talking about here? Well, verse three, Paul is imagining, not without warrant, he's imagining that some people are going to resist what he's saying. And they're going to resist it on the basis of, I don't need to do that. If that person has a burden, that's their burden, too bad. I don't need to try to help them. They probably uh, got themselves in this because of your responsibility. And, you know, I, I, that's, that's below me. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, perhaps it's somebody who is, um, you know, maybe in a sort of a different category class-wise. Now, we don't have a class society in the United States, but of course that is, uh, there is that kind of a thing in many different places. But, but in every culture, we know that, you know, there are people who, um, you know, sometimes the educated look down on the ed- educated, uh, the rich look down on the poor, and, you know, I live in this neighborhood, you live in that neighborhood, uh, I'm not going to have association with people like that, and, you know, all of that stuff, that's just human nature, right? And Paul's imagining that there's somebody who basically has that attitude. It's like, well, Paul, these are just a bunch of losers anyway, so, you know, that's their problem, I don't really need to do anything about that. But Paul says, if somebody thinks they're something, they're really nothing. And here's what we all have to recognize, that, you know, it is by the grace of God that we are what we are. And if we think that we are something, uh, we got a rude awakening coming. We are only something because of God's mercy and grace over it. You know, there's a whole lot of people in this world one day who are going to have a really rude awakening, realizing that you know, what, what they thought of themselves really had very little to do with them at all. And the pride and the arrogance and everything else that they had was just utterly foolish. Well, Paul is saying that that is not an attitude that is to be uh, found among us as the people of God. We are to bear our own personal responsibility before the Lord and our personal responsibility is to bear the burdens of others. And so when he says in uh, verse four, let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another for each one shall bear his own load. He's basically saying here that there there are burdens that I am responsible to bear and there are ones that only I can bear. So all of us have the burden of the responsibility that God has put on us, and we alone can bear that. So God has called you to something. God has given you things. And with that, he said, okay, this is what you're responsible for. And 
it's not for somebody else to take that off of you. You're to do it. And it's not for you to take that off of somebody else. So we all have that common responsibility before the Lord. Every man has his own load to bear. In the King James Version, if you read um, verse 2 and verse 5, both verses use the word burden. But I'm using the New King James Version. And the New King James Version uh, translates the, the second one more accurately. It doesn't translate it burden. It translates it load. Because they're two different Greek words. The first is a burden like one that will crush you. The other is not that kind of a burden. But it's more just, uh, it's actually the view of like a knapsack. It's like these are your tools. This is, you know, you put this on your back. You put the stuff you need to get the job done and you go about your business. That's actually the meaning of the second word there. And again, Paul's point is that we each have our own responsibility before God. And so we're not to compare ourselves with others, but we're to be faithful to bear our own load. But then we have to recognize that there are burdens that we do need to bear that belong to other people. And that's the, the crushing weight that they themselves are not able to get out from under. Now, in closing, as I said from the beginning, to bear the burdens of others, we have got to be close to others. See, this is a thing that you have to intentionally make happen. You have to put yourself in this place. And we will only put ourselves in this place if we recognize that this is what the Christian life is. Like I said, the, the Christian life uh, is a one another lifestyle. It's about being connected with other people. And, you know, we, we get hung up because we say, oh, you know, I don't know. Those people over there, I'm just not like those people. You know what? That is probably true if you take Christ out of the picture, but with Christ in the picture, that's no longer true. When, before I was a Christian, I would only associate with a certain very small group of people. Seriously, that was my mentality. And anybody that didn't fit into that little category that I had marked out as the people that I would associate with, I didn't really care to have anything to do with them. And I would, of course, just think I don't have anything in common with any of those other people. Well, you know, when I came to know Jesus, God just blew that whole thing to bits. And today, I've often thought about this. Today, some of my dearest friends and my dearest friends over many, many years are people that had I remained where I was, I never would have had any association with them. And I would have been the poorer because they have been the biggest blessings in my life. But you know, what do we have in common? Our uh, assistant pastor, Will Lynn, some of you know Will, uh, him and I always crack up about this because uh, when I first met Will, I was in my, I think, early 30s, and he came around, and Will comes from a background. Uh, he's a, you know, a military guy. He's a law enforcement guy, and, and you know, he comes, and he actually came to attend the Bible college that we had at our church when I was pastoring in Vista. And when he first met me, he's like, who is this punk kid? You know, who is this guy? He's walking around here in shorts and he never wears socks. And, you know, it's back when I was a surfer. And uh, we just crack up sometimes thinking about how the Lord brought us together. 
Now, in my younger days, of course, he would have been chasing me as a cop, and I would have been running from him. Uh, we never would have liked each other at all. But, um, but God brings, you know, he brings us together in these beautiful relationships. But we have to put ourselves in that place. So what was I saying? You know, if you look at a group of people and you think, oh, well, I don't know. I don't want to go over there. I don't know those people. Forget all of that. Just take a step. And you will be absolutely amazed at how God will meet you. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to get close to people and you're going to realize, wow, these people have burdens. But you know what? God's gifted you and equipped you. And he's calling you to help bear the load for them. And they're going to discover, wow, you've got some burdens too. But hey, let us help you with that burden. And that's when this beautiful thing begins to really develop. And this is the thing that that is so powerful. You know, if we as Christians, if we just lived what the New Testament says, if we really live this out, loving each other, bearing one another's burdens, not gossiping and uh, you know, slandering and backbiting and judging. And, you know, if we just stopped all of that and just did what we were supposed to do, you know, people would be beating down the doors of the church to get in because there's nothing like this anywhere in the world. And unfortunately, it's sometimes uh, sparse in the church. So, so let's, you know, let's, let's be these people. This is what God's called us to. And as we do this, we fulfill the law of Christ. This is what Jesus did. He loved us sacrificially. He loved us unconditionally. And we're to do the same. So Lord, help us. We pray. And Lord, you know our own natural tendencies to just kind of keep to ourselves sometimes and be more concerned with ourselves and others and and all of that. Lord, you know that. It's just part of our sinful nature, but thank you that we have a new nature and thank you that you've given us your spirit. And so Lord, would you help us to take to heart these things that we've talked about today and Lord, that we would be a people who bear one another's burdens. Lord, we pray right now for uh, those that we know that are ensnared in sin. They're believers, but they've just been entrapped. And we pray for them right now that you would set them free. And Lord, if it's our uh, place to speak with them, then help us to do so gently and humbly and graciously. And Lord, we pray too that you would help us to be sensitive to the burdens of others and help us to be quick to see the burden And help us to be quick to seek to relieve the burdens of others. Lord, we pray that we might fulfill the law of Christ. Lord, put a greater amount of love in our hearts for each other. That the world might know that we are your disciples. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.